0: So today's guest in the Reading Corner is artist and picture book creator Petar Horacek. Petar was born in Czechoslovakia, just outside Prague, which is now in the Czech Republic, but he lives in the UK. He has a Master of Fine Arts degree from the Academy of Fine Arts in Prague, and he started creating picture books inspired by his children when they were young. His first picture book A House for Mouse was published in 2004 and since then he's published many board and picture books that have become staples of the nursery and the classroom including Silly Susie Goose, My Elephant, Puffin Peter, The Fly, The Greedy Goat, The Mouse Who Wasn't Scared and today we're going to be talking about a new book, A Best Friend for Bear. So Welcome, Peta, And I wonder if to start, you could tell us a little bit about Best Friend for Bear. What's it all about?
1: Well, it's my very first book about bear, which is very strange because I really like drawing bears. So it's a book about friendship. It's also a book about how we often can miss things which are right in front of our nose, how we Mm. can't see what's in front of us.
0: It's, It's about two bears, isn't it? They they look very similar, apart from their colour, same height. How did you go about developing them as
1: characters? Usually I would draw the main character and then cut it out. I use collage a lot, so I would cut out the, the main character and then I paint the background. Um, the collage allows me to kind of loose up and be kind of free and being a little bit messy, perhaps printing the texture and stuff like that. And at the end, I glue in the main character into the picture. So when I tried this, it really didn't work because bears are hairy and uh, they really needed to be a big part of the surrounding um, environment and stuff. So the collage didn't work because they look really stiff and clumsy. So I get very often inspired by materials, lots of different materials. It doesn't need to be anything fancy. It could be very cheap oil pastels and color pencils, wax crayons. So I started to use oil pastels and scratch the other side of the brush into the bears just to make them a little bit more hairy and, and, and textured. And that worked. And uh, I started to illustrate the book this way. But I've been through maybe I, I already done about half of the book and realized that the pictures are actually quite boring. They they, they are missing something. So I stepped back and uh, started again. And this time I took a paper which is very shiny. So you can so the oil pastels and, and, and the acrylic doesn't dry so quickly. So I use a different paper and uh, I scratch into it and I print it. And uh, with that, the characters of bear change as well. They are, I would say, maybe a little bit more simple in the shape. And um, yes, I, once I find out the right technique I want to use, then then it, I was I was there. I, I felt really comfortable with the bears, and now I really love uh, to do them again and again.
0: Before we leave bears completely, it won't have escaped listeners' notice that when I read the list of your books, every single one of them had an animal in it. (laughs) Why do you think animals are so great for children's books? And do you think it's a cultural thing or is it the same the whole world over?
1: I think I would say it's a whole world over because children can identify with animals easily, with with the characters and and so do I actually. And uh, I think it gives me more freedom, really. I, I mean, I can draw people. I studied fine art and I spent I spent many years doing life drawing, and I can draw people. But actually, doing a child or adult into the book, it's a little bit different. I'm always struggling with that, so I'm more comfortable to draw better than, than a little boy or a little girl. And uh, it gives me more freedom. You can you can really use the expressions differently. And
0: you are the only picture book creator i know that's ever made me feel any empathy for a fly
1: (laughs) (laughs) kind of forgotten really it's interesting as well because my publisher said to me look we will do the book but uh, people won't buy it people don't want to buy books about flies and they were quite right really the book uh, I don't think it was it's definitely not my bestseller but whenever I show the book anywhere if I take it to schools children always like the book and we always have a good laugh about it so I'm glad we did that.
0: Mm. Let's have a look inside so it's a black bear and a brown bear they're feeling very lonely they both wish they had a friend and they agree to go off together searching for friends.
1: Did you actually notice that uh the brown bear—it's actually on the on the spread number two already. You can see him walking in the background in the woods.
0: In the corner, finding yeah. a friend is not easy, and there, through the um, trees in a clearing, we see the tiny brown mm-hmm. bear in the distance. Uh, before we move on any further into the book, actually, I want to talk about this wonderful landscape. So, some of your books have quite a plain white background. I think Silly Susie Goose was much was a very pared back mm-hmm. background, wasn't it? And here yeah. we had a really rich forest, a little bit like in the Mouse Who Wasn't Scared. Again, a very kind of rich forest background. Yeah. I wondered whether you were inspired, because I think around sort of the area that you were born and come from, you know, these European forests, the Czech forests. Are you inspired by that?
1: Definitely. I I I try to always make time in autumn and uh, I go back to Czech Republic. Um, I, I stay in the cottage uh, which belongs to my friends and uh, it's their summer cottage. They don't live there. It's a beautiful place in the middle of nowhere on the hill. You can see whole country in front of you and right behind the cottage, well, you actually step into the woods. Mm -hmm. And uh, I spent a couple of weeks there every autumn on my own. I paint in the woods. I do landscape just to paint for myself. And, you know, so you spend hours just standing in the woods and uh, Mm -hmm. painting on canvas and things come into you, you know, into your head. And uh, I think about stories, I go for a walk, and then in the evening I would... I would write it down and make notes. I don't always come back with uh, with a with a finished book, but I always gather enough ideas and, and sketches to work with through the year. In fact, uh, it's getting to the point that my publisher was saying, can we, can we do something outside of the woods now? <laughs> can we?
0: Can I just ask, you talked about painting outside. How does that make you feel that's different, say, to walking and then going back and painting indoors? How does it make you feel?
1: It's something you really can't replace. I keep saying that to if ever I do talk to students of illustration or somebody who is interested about uh, about doing books, so I always say everything I learn about drawing, I learn from life drawing, and everything I learn about color I learn from landscape, mm-hmm. being outside painting you can't you can't cheat that because you're looking at one place for a couple of hours, you know the place through the day into every single detail and you notice color you see the color how it's changing you know i come home into the studio and paint a, a tree and i know the tree trees the brown trunk and green branches but it's not like that when you are in the woods you know that there is blue there is purple there is red there is lots of colors mm. and uh, these are things which you can appreciate only if you observe it closely mm. so these things are very important and it's very meditative. It's really, it, it calms you down. Things start happening around you. Animals will come to you. And if you don't move, you can see uh, a <laughs> deer. You know, it's it's really, really great. Uh, I wish I could do it more often.
0: It sounds magical. <laughs> um, and we are looking here at a spread of the forest and the variety of colour, because I think children often... Are taught stereotypical things about color. You know, the leaves are green, the trees are green, the grass is green. But as you've already said, when you look in nature, you can find just about any color of leaf.
1: That's the thing, that's the mistake we do to children, don't we? We teach them, we teach them, we tell them, Did you know the grass is green? And do you know the tree is green and sky is blue? And the children then repeat what we told them. And if the child looks closely, she, she or he can see that the sky—it's actually pink, or the sky is gray, the sky is silver, whatever—and the grass isn't always green. <laughs> you know, but that's the damage we do to children, telling them what to think. All we have to do is just give children freedom to help them to be creative. Let them learn themselves instead of telling them what to do and what to think. So
0: your work is always so beautifully textured as well and you've talked a little bit about how you got the texture for your bears mm-hmm. um the trees here are we looking at m- mainly printed work
1: yeah i think i i start painting with uh, acrylic uh the background for the bear i use a little bit of uh, watercolor and then oil pasta over it so the and then scratching into into the fair of the bear but for the background i started with acrylic paint. And then I scratch into polystyrene sheets and uh, I print the texture of the trees over the trunks of the trees. And then also I, I have a textured papers, which I print and scratch and I collage some of the branches. So there's no computer involved. It's everything painted and uh, collaged
0: talk a little bit about uh composition as well maybe tell me a page to go to from a composition point of view
1: i mean you always i mean, I love this one when they're looking in the uh, in the quarry or something they are i was trying to really fit it into the story (laughs) but in fact i was recently going through the sketches and some of the sketches were probably a little bit more interesting than the final final drawing but i don't they were more interesting because of the scale. I made uh, I made the bears much smaller in the sketches, but uh, it somehow didn't fit into the big uh, book. So then I made them a little bit bigger. But uh, there are two bears; they're holding her hands. It's about a trust as well. So the mm. the black bear is looking down into the like a chasm,
0: the... isn't it? Like a canyon yeah. or a chasm?
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, looking for a friend, and the brown bear holding his hand. So it's all about them actually trusting to each other, helping each other. And you can see that there is a lot of light behind them, but actually they came from this dark wood and stuff. So, mm. I, so I think it's a the little bit dramatic, you... maybe a little bit dangerous, but feeling safe at the same time because, as I said, they're trusting each other, they are together, they're helping each other. I
0: also things. love the way that you've made the trees lean in,
1: sort of you pulling know. us into that. Yes. Well, you see, I think partly... This is something you, or oh, I think I learn in painting outside. You know, learn about the composition in the picture. I can't stress this more how important it is to be, you know, to draw outside, to na- to draw from nature and learn from from nature. It's very difficult to invent in the studio.
0: I mean, they start playing hide and seek with each other, don't they? I think there's one point where our feeling about what's going on in this image is really conveyed by your change
1: of palette at this point. Yeah, that's actually interesting because, I don't know, when I was doing the book, it didn't seem to be so dramatic, but once you finish the artwork and it goes to the publisher to be printed, you actually don't see the artwork for 10, maybe sometimes for a year. And suddenly the book came and I opened the book, and I, although I like the picture, I was quite surprised how it's a little bit sad. Uh, kind of, it is quite more dramatic than I remember this picture to be because he really looks confused and a little bit upset. And also, the colors uh, suddenly change the color in the book. The, there is more gray, there is no, uh, not very um, happy colors. You know, there's not these really, really bright colors. So it's quite atmospheric. And I was quite surprised how how it was slightly different from what I remembered. But I think it fits with the story because he is, at this point, he is quite low because he can't find his friend. Do some mm. of
0: those changes take place at the design point? I mean, do things like colours get changed in the design process?
1: Yeah, I think the colour, for me, is very important. Uh, and when when I whenever I sketch any book, I, I make uh, the thumbnails in colours just to be sure that the book has a rhythm, not just in the text and the story, of course, that's that's something which has to be there, but also in color. So I like the pictures to be to have a rhythm through the book as well. This book was slightly different because the, the bears are spending lots of time in woods and and meadows, and the green is the color. But even then I would play with different colors of the of the sky. I mean, the color in the picture is very important to me mm. i mean uh, th- there is a book called Puffin Peter I did some time ago, and that was a book where where I was really really sure that the book works well in color, so I think it's one of the one of the books which where the rhythm of the color it's true whole book i'm I'm quite happy with that
0: uh you've talked about painting in the wild. Do you also carry a sketchbook for drawing
1: uh, through the day like mm. a I don't actually. I look a lot, but I, I'm not one of the illustrators who always has a sketchbook with them. Mm. I draw. I, I've got the little sketchbook, small A6 sketchbooks in my studios. Which, uh, whenever I illustrate a book, I would grab these small sketchbooks, and I will make a note. I will make a quick drawing of funny, just to kind of, just to kind of relax, you know. So I have a many many little sketchbooks with funny pictures. It complete nonsense could be dream, but I keep them in the studio. When I travel, I may occasionally write something down, but I don't I don't do the observations drawings with me. I know I should, but I, I just I just don't do that.
0: If I were to push you and say, what would it be hardest to live without a pencil or paint and brushes? What would you say?
1: Ooh, that's a difficult one. It's a very different experience, you know, I would probably choose pencil because you can paint with pencil but uh, there are very two different things you know drawing it's your brain painting it's very physical well at least for me it's it's kind of i remember once i had an operation of my arm i was quite young and uh, i it was my right arm i'm right handed and i couldn't paint and uh, i was so frustrated i remember going into my studio just to sit there and then i, I tried to paint and I had to hold my arm with the left hand and I, I tried to paint. And the picture wasn't, it just didn't work because I had no strength in it and it hurt. And and it was, even though I managed to do something, I wasn't satisfied. So it's really, really physical. It's a connection in your brain.
0: It's very interesting because I think people think it's an eye to brain thing.
1: Mm-hmm. But actually, Exposed. you
0: probably Exposed. use your whole body when you're, Painting. Uh,
1: yes, I suppose. Yeah, it's kind of gives you really good feeling when the paint kind of uh, smudges over the paper. And uh, yeah, I, I, I very often paint with my fingers as well and print and um, collage. You know, cut with a knife. It's like another drawing when you cut into the paper. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, as well as picture books um, like this one here, you created quite a few board books for very young readers. Mm. And I think they often don't get that much attention, board books. Um, but to to create one, it's not just about putting a picture book story into a board book. I mean, that's the worst possible thing mm. I think you could do. So how is it different creating a good board book?
1: For- well, I'm glad you mentioned the board books because they are really forgotten. You can't, it's very difficult to see really good board books. Um, I, I I really don't like Lazy board books, when you open it and there is a flower and here is a cow and here is a ball and here is a teddy bear and that's it. You close the book. I think it's very lazy because children are not stupid. They really deserve a good story where, you know, you are limited with pages. You've got six or seven double spreads, but it is possible to get a simple story into the board books. One of my board books, which I'm proud of, I would probably say the Run Mouse Run, um, which you can chase the mouse through the book and there are holes in the, in the pages and cutout pages. So the mouse, it's climbing up the table and maybe when you turn the page, you're actually holding the mouse and then the mouse runs into the hole and the cut is coming. So you actually can fit a basic story into six spreads. and um, so so doing board books like this, introducing actually children to books this way, it's, it's, it's very, very important. Because I I keep saying that uh, the picture book or, or board book, actually, it's the first time that the child is confronted uh, with uh, visual art and literature. Mm-hmm. And the other day I was uh, talking with Chris Horton and he added that actually it's the first time when the child is uh, introduced to to drama art as well, because it's so important the way how you read a book, you know, as a parent, the way how you how you deliver the story. It's so important to the child. And and he's absolutely right. So and the board books, it's 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 for very little children. So so yeah I think I think it should be done properly. <laughs>
0: you did one strawberries are red.
1: Well yes, that's right. Strawberries are red and what is black and white were my very first books um, they were published in 2001 i get a a award for it a newcomer 2001 so that was that's how my career started with these two board books Mm. and since then i think i did about 17 of these board books
0: absolutely fabulous Uh, i read recently and i don't know why i hadn't put two and two together uh but one of your favorite illustrators uh, is one of mine as well. And I don't think we've ever talked about it, so I did want to mention it. I think you're a fan of Kveta Pakowska.
1: Yeah, Kveta Pakowska, absolutely. She's she's actually a brilliant uh, illustrator, but also she's, she's mainly really fine artist. She does a beautiful paintings and installations. And um, so she's incredibly interesting artist. Obviously, she's, she lives in in Czech Republic. She she always lived there. But her books were published mainly in Switzerland during the mm-hmm. communism. So she was famous everywhere else, but not in Czech Republic, as oh. much as she should be. So, yeah, no, absolutely. She's she's stunning.
0: Uh, she actually won the Hans Anderson absolutely. Award for yeah. her work. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we can get some of her books, but not as many. They get
1: published in England now, aren't they? Yeah.
0: Some, some of them. Okay. I suppose it's really interesting because, like you, she has a fine art background. What is the connection between fine art and illustrating for children? I think it's quite, you know, I think about Laura Carlin as well. I just think it's really interesting, that connection and how you can bring that to your work.
1: Well, when, when I used to paint, when I used to do my abstract paintings, I always had a story in it although nobody would guess what the story is. And in fact, I I sometimes look at my abstract paintings and remembering that uh, that I did lots of drawings, you know, abstract uh, paintings and thinking, I remember how strong I feel about this picture, but actually I don't remember what is it about anymore. (laughs) You know, but actually kind of daydreaming, being involved with the picture it's it's always there i always liked making up stories since i was little so i think understand the materials understand the color maybe understand the composition that's something you can bring into picture book quite easily and it's very useful Mm -hmm. another thing is lots of people who do art many of them won't be able to do picture books for the different reason I think being able to identify with the with the age you are writing for and stuff, which is so important, mm-hmm. and it's not something uh, you can mm-hmm. learn easily.
0: Really interesting. I mean, you're known for both writing and illustrating your own books, but you did do a book with Nicola Davies a while mm-hmm. ago, uh, the first <laughs> book of animals, which is a nonfiction book. Mm-hmm. How was that different working as part of a team?
1: Oh, it was one of the best things I I've done in my career as a writer and illustrator because because uh, first of all Nicolai is so enthusiastic about nature about many things but but she understands animals she's so passionate about it and uh, I was asked if I would like to illustrate her books I just thought well am I the right person to do that and. Uh, I went to the meeting and I was giving the texts, which were poems about animals. And I look at it and I felt so excited about it that uh, on the way home, I actually started to read the poems more carefully and I started to sketch into into the papers I was given. And uh, the other day I looked at it and I realized that my first sketches, which I've done on the train, actually hardly change into the final picture I was because it was so visual. I I, I could see what I want to do straight away. And uh, later on, I talked to Nicola about some of the pictures and just listening to her, what she has to say about each animal. It was really, really inspirational to work with Nicola. And also, what was great about this book was uh, that there's no continuity. I could treat every picture differently because it was different animal. One of them was in the water, one of them was flying, and I could use, uh, use watercolours, acrylic paint. Uh, I could print. Uh, some of them are more realistic than others. And uh, I had so much fun and so much freedom that I enjoyed every minute of it. Absolutely mm. loved that. Mm. How
0: wonderful. Uh, there is a panda in that uh, book.
1: Yeah. Is there a bear? There is a polar bear
0: there's yeah, we, a polar bear have a polar so not bear. quite these are
1: not quite your first bears <laughs> well I, as i say I can, I can i have a bear in my the book before a best friend for bear, it was the best place in the world unfortunately yeah. quite similar titles but the best place in the world there is a bear as well actually on the cover and on two pictures inside but what i meant was that i never had a bear as a main character in the yeah. book. yeah, yeah.
0: Well, do you know, it's been such a delight talking to you today uh, and catching up with you. I absolutely love this story. And I know so many young readers, their parents and their teachers are going to love it, too. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you very much. It was lovely talking to you.
0: In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. This episode is generously sponsored by Walker Books. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. If you would like to find out about other events and courses, visit justimagine.co.uk.
1: Join us again in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.